Welcome to the Stonelaw Church Podcast. I'm Neil Watson. And whether you are a regular worshipper with us, or whether you just listen to this podcast, I pray that the, the words of the message would be a real blessing to you, and that it would bring you closer to God as you experience more of the love of Jesus in your life. So we continue our journey through uh, Luke's gospel. Right after Jesus' baptism, Luke tells us that Jesus was about 30 years old, and he provides us with this genealogy um, at the end of chapter 3, going all the way back to show that Jesus is the Son of God. And our reading this morning from chapter 4 sees Jesus taking his first steps into his ministry. And Luke opens us up by letting us know that he does this full of the Holy Spirit. Now that would seem like the best place to start your ministry as you're filled up with the Holy Spirit. However, the first thing that might strike us as strange um, as we read verse 1 is that we find out that it's the Holy Spirit that actually leads Jesus out into the wilderness. You know, sometimes we feel that if the Holy Spirit is leading us, that we would be led to still and and quiet waters, like we read in Psalm 23. Can do, but our reading this morning would suggest that that's not always the case, that we might get taken into a, a wilderness place as an opportunity to grow and to learn. The Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights, a time of difficult testing. Again, the Holy Spirit may well lead us into tough situations. You know, as as Christians, we like to be in that place of, of receiving the blessings and in the good place. I mean, who wouldn't? Of course, we we enjoy being in that, that place. We maybe don't enjoy so much the, 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 the forming that God does in our lives, the, the painful uh, things that, 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 that we have to endure sometimes uh, to help us in our, our trust and our walk with God. However, before we start having a go at the the Holy Spirit, that that it's all the Holy Spirit's fault, we might want to uh, take a look into our own lives and examine them uh, and make sure that uh, we're not being brought through trials uh, because of something that we've done or said, that we may well have that unresolved sin that we've not repented of, that's maybe the thing that that is pulling us into it. However, if we we have examined it and it's, it's not... Uh, through any unwise behavior or, or things that we've said, it may well be the Holy Spirit that is leading us into a, a time of, of formation, that, that testing that goes on. And the thing is, temptation, which is what we're looking at the, this morning, so often comes after a really high point uh, in our spiritual journey. That's when, that's when the devil wants to come in and to really knock the legs away from you. You know, Jesus has had this high point of being baptized in the Jordan, 
very, very public display um, where we see the fullness of the Trinity uh, on display to everyone. And on the back of that, here we have this, this time of trial and temptation. You know, we can read throughout the Scriptures of this happening. You know, you, you might want to, if you've got time uh, this week, go to, to First Kings, and you can read the, the story of Elijah and how he has to deal with the, the trials that come after a real high point uh, in his ministry. It's a, it's a story for another, another day, but if you have time, uh, then go to First Kings and read the story of Elijah. Um, but it's at these times that, that Satan chooses to, to come in and attack. It's an opportunity for him to, to knock us off the, the perch that, that we're on. So we need to be on guard for these, these temptations to come in. Uh, in, in the good times, just as much as those times that, that we're maybe struggling with, um, because Satan is able to choose those, those times for himself. We continue in verse 2, it says, For forty days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. It's really interesting that, that Satan uses a very similar tactic with Jesus as he does with Adam and Eve, where he uses food uh, as, a, as a, a temptation. And I guess for some of us, food is still something that he uses uh, as a temptation each and every day. But just as he tempts Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, he does the same thing in tempting Jesus in the desert. You might remember a while back that I shared that one of my favorite films uh, of all time is Usual Suspects. And in that film, the character Verbal says, you know, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world that he didn't exist. And the devil's been pulling that trick for, for a long, long time. And we need to make sure that we don't fall for that trick, that, that we do recognize that, that the devil does exist. It's a very real being, a created and rebellious angel who was banished, a fallen angel. Satan isn't a symbol, it's not a, an idea, but Satan is constantly looking to fight with God and to pull people away from him. And those who choose to follow and obey God and to follow our Lord Jesus are prime targets. So it would make no surprise at all that Jesus is targeted here at his weakest, famished, is what we read. You know, he, he succeeded with Adam and Eve uh, in the Garden of Eden. So he probably felt that, that as he saw Jesus getting more and more hungry, weaker as each day went on, he chooses his, his timing and he goes in for the kill. He hoped that a weakened Jesus would fall just like Adam and Eve did. But before we get into the temptations, we might ask ourselves the question of, well, why, why did Jesus need to be tempted? We knew that he was perfect. He was without sin. Why did he need to go through a, a period of trial and temptation? Well, the first thing is that for Jesus to fully experience what it is to be human, 
He needed to be able to experience the things that each and every one of us go through. And each of us go through that period of of trial and temptation. Sometimes it's a short period. Other times it can be a long period. And we might find ourselves getting weaker and weaker, just as Jesus did. And that's when Satan tries to pick us off. So he needed to face this, just as we do, to fully understand what it is to be a, a human as part of the creation. The second was that he needed to, for once and for all, undo the work that Adam did. Adam was created perfect, but due to the fall, passed on sin for forevermore until Jesus came in and defeated it. Humankind was invaded by this sin. But Jesus' victory offers us salvation from that. And equally, Jesus was able to use this as an opportunity to teach us, to show us the devil's tactics, the way that the devil tries to creep in and to knock us off our faith. Jesus' hunger is Satan's first target, the immediate target. You could see that he was hungry and went for it. We read, the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. One of the things that, that Satan tries to do is tries to tempt us to, to move away from understanding Jesus' true identity as the son of God. We might start to question whether Jesus is the son of God. And it's far easier for Satan to knock us off when we find ourselves in that weakness. And when we start to doubt that, then it's far easier for us to fall into the trap of doing what the devil wants us to do. The thing is, times of, of questioning are not bad. They can help us to, to strengthen and to, to form uh, our, our theology, our, our thoughts on God and what we believe. It's not that they're bad within themselves, but we need to be on guard during those times that we don't allow uh, the devil to come in and to knock us off our faith. So if you are currently going through any of these struggles and doubts, we need to take them to Jesus and, and help and let him help us to, to move through that vulnerable period that we might be going through. And while we're searching for answers to any questions that we might have. It's important that we, that we speak to others. We don't do it alone, that we don't sit and, and, and try and struggle through it by ourselves. We need to take it to God in prayer, and we need to read God's truths in the Bible, that we go, go to there, not the, the devil's lies, but actually understand what is in here. So while... The devil might look to get us to doubt Jesus' identity. It's really interesting. It's really interesting in verse 3. Because even he has to admit that Jesus is the Son of God. He knows Jesus' identity. So he might try to get us to doubt it. But even he knows that Jesus is the Son of God. And I love that. Because it shows us who actually holds the real power and the real authority. It's not the devil. 
The Son of God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus, does. And the devil's saying, even in spite of you being the, the Son of God, why are you allowing yourself to be hungry? That just seems a really stupid idea to me, Jesus. Why, why are you doing this? You have the power to turn these stones into bread, yet you're over here really, really hungry, famished, is what we read in the Bible. The thing is, the devil's wanting Jesus to disobey his father's commands. Want to knock him off. Wants Jesus to use his, his divine powers for his own gain, rather than what he was put here to do, which was to serve. In this first temptation, the devil is suggesting to Jesus that there must be something wrong with the Father's love for you if he's allowing you to be here, famished in this desert. There must be something wrong with it that even his own beloved son is sitting here hungry out in the wilderness. You know, in the past, the Israelites had been provided with this manna from heaven. When they were in the wilderness, God had provided food for them every single day. Yet here you are, Jesus, you're sitting here and you're, you're, you're incredibly hungry, you're famished. You sure, you sure your father loves you? Surely it's okay for you to do this thing. Feed yourself. Get yourself strong. Do the thing that you're called to do. But you can only do that if you're strong. Feed yourself up. If you turn these stones into bread, you won't be hungry anymore. It's a very similar tactic to the one that he uses with Adam and Eve in the garden. He's putting those little doubts in there. Surely it's okay. You know, he says to, to Eve, surely it's okay to eat from the tree. God's holding out on you. Just doesn't want you to know what it tastes like or what it's like to eat from the, the tree of knowledge. It's holding out on you. And we know the, the story. But what's really interesting is, as we look further and in more detail at what the devil is trying to do here, he's trying to get Jesus to separate the physical from the spiritual. And as Christians, we know that the eating or doing anything is far more than just a physical thing, that there's a spiritual dimension to it, that we need to bring glory to God in everything that we do and everything that we say. There's that spiritual dynamic to it. Everything has this the spiritual aspect because everything that we have is a gift from God and we need to give thanks and praise for it. Because when we start to separate our lives into physical, spiritual, financial, material, whatever you want to, to do, when we do that, we can start to edge God out of different bits of our lives. That it's okay to have God in the spiritual part but we can edge God out of each and every other part of our life. And that's what Satan wants us to do. He wants us to keep edging God out. But we're called to allow God to have authority over every aspect of our life. And I remember listening to a minister speak a good few years ago now. 
And he said, if we were to think of our lives as being like a house, every aspect of our life is part of this house. And the question that he posed us was, would you be happy to allow Jesus to rummage around in your house while you're not there? Free reign to go through your house. He even said, would you be happy with him rummaging about in your drawers in that house? He reduced it right down to, are there even little drawers in your life that you're keeping back from God? Now, I don't say any of that to freak you out because I remember sitting down there when the minister was, was posing this question. And I remember thinking at the time, oh, I don't know. I have to think about that. Are there parts of our life that we just shut off from God or we think, ah, God's probably not that bothered about this part of my life. It's certainly something that, that, that I wrestle with. Uh, from time to time, and wrestle with probably more on a, on a day-to-day basis. Are there parts of my life that I'm holding back from God? Am I edging God out of certain things? Am I trying to do things in my own strength rather than relying on His power and strength? Well, we go back to our passage, where Jesus answers in verse 4, It is written, one does not live by bread alone. And the thing is, we obviously need food to to survive as human beings. We, We need food to survive. But what Jesus is saying is we don't live by that physical bread alone. There's this spiritual hunger that needs to be fed as well. And as we spend time reading God's Word, we receive a a spiritual health, an inner strength that allows us to to carry on with the the mission or the ministry that, that he's given each of us as we get to know God's Word better. Turning stones into bread wasn't necessarily bad within itself, but it's the reason behind it that becomes the problem. You know, the devil's trying to get Jesus to take a shortcut uh, in his ministry. Rather than relying on God, it's to take a shortcut. And Jesus refuses to do it. The devil's saying to him, you know, solve this problem, this immediate problem. But by doing that, he was sacrificing his long-term goal, which was to, to follow the Father's will. And sometimes the devil works that way. So often the devil works that way. Persuading us to take action. Even actions that on the surface seem okay, that, that it's, it, they're not necessarily bad things within themselves, but if it takes us further away from God, then we really need to question it, because it might be the wrong time or the wrong place or the, the wrong thing for us at that particular time. And the thing is, many, many people, including myself, so I'm not absolving myself of any of this this morning. Sometimes we fall into the the, the trap of sin, which is missing the mark. It's not the thing you do, it's it's the thing behind it, which is missing the mark. 
And sometimes we fall into that by trying to fulfill very legitimate desires and, and needs. But they can sometimes be outside of God's will or, or God's timetable. We, we can become incredibly impatient, so we start to try and push things through for ourselves. And we need to always be asking ourselves, are we allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us? Or are we relying on our own strength and our own leading? Is the devil trying to knock me off track as I'm moving forward? But, but these verses also remind us that it's not always in our, our, our weakness that the devil will try to come in and to knock us off. Sometimes it can be in our strengths. Jesus is trying to tempt Jesus where he is strong. He does have the power to turn those stones into bread. And he's trying to get him to do it. And sometimes when we, when we have strengths, um, it can be easy to think, well, I can do it because I know I can do it and I don't need God to, to lead me in it. Sometimes our strengths can be our problem. And when we wrongly use our strength, we can become proud and self-reliant. And it's in those times that we start to trust in our own selves rather than putting our trust in God. We might feel that there's very little need for God anymore. And the thing is, to avoid that trap, we need to make sure, again, that everything that we do, everything that we say, everything that we are gifted in, our strengths, that we always give thanks to God for them because they are gifts to us from God. Each and every one of us has different strengths. Some are, are amazing musicians. Some are wonderful writers. Some are wonderful speakers. Some are wonderful at getting alongside people, nurses, teachers, doctors. We all have gifts. We need to give thanks to God for those gifts. So we move on. Seeing that this wasn't going to work, the devil moves on in verses 5 through 8, where we read that he shows him the, 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 the kingdoms of the world, and the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will be all yours. And Jesus answers, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. The devil very arrogantly thinks that, well, that didn't work, but I think this will work. By trying to divert Jesus away from his mission and to get him to worship him. The world is mine's, not God's, is what the devil is saying to, to Jesus. And he's saying, if you hope to do anything worthwhile while you're here, then you better get, to get, get used to it. Because I can give you the power to, to lead this place. Only me. Because I own it, not God. And it's really interesting because Jesus doesn't argue with the devil. Doesn't argue over who owns the, the world. But Jesus refuses to validate the devil's claim. He refuses to stop and worship him. Jesus knew that it would be he that would redeem 
the world, not the devil, him. He saw no need to make an alliance with a corrupt angel to be able to do that. He knew the future. And his response is an interesting one because he quotes from Deuteronomy. You might remember a few weeks back where I said that, you know, I think that's probably Jesus' favorite book because he quotes from it all the time, uh, the book of Deuteronomy. He says, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. It's interesting because the devil never actually said anything about serving him. He just says, worship me. But Jesus sees through it because he knows that anything that we worship, we ultimately serve. It's the whole point. Serving Jesus provides us with an opportunity, an opportunity for a true freedom. But service to the devil provides us a bondage where we get stuck in that place, unable to achieve. If we read in 1 Peter 5, I'll just read it out for you. 1 Peter 5, verse 10. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. I'll read it out again. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. In this first letter of Peter, we see that God's pattern is to start with suffering, to take us from that place of suffering and take us to glory, to end with glory. The problem is that Satan's pattern is to take us from that, that good place, that place of victory, and to drag us down to that place of struggle and suffering. He wants us to sacrifice our eternal Salvation for a short-term gain here on earth. But the thing is, there are no shortcuts in the Christian life. I'm sure we all wish there were. But there's not. There are times of, of great joy, and there are times of deep despair. But it's only through our serving Jesus that we can attain that eternal salvation. Because the thing is, everyone in the world worships something, whether they are Christian or, or otherwise. We all worship something. We are made to worship. We are created beings made to worship. Made to worship God. But so many of us, through our free will, choose to worship other things. It might be the pursuit of material gain. It might be in the area of employment, we might make that our main focus. It might be sports or music or various other things where we focus all of our efforts and time and money into that thing. We've, we've replaced worshipping God with worshipping these other things. And we end up serving it by it taking up all of our time, our resources, But the devil now moves on because he recognizes that he's not going to catch Jesus in this trap. But he still catches so many of us to this day with it. 
But he doesn't catch Jesus and he moves on. Verses 9 through 11. Where it says, Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. So the devil has failed twice already, and he comes with a new tactic to try and take out Jesus. He mimics Jesus' responses to his first attacks. He goes to God's word to try and flip it round on Jesus. But he twists and misinterprets the scriptures that he uses. Because the intention of Psalm 91, which is what the devil is quoting, is to show God's protection for his people, not to, to get them to do stupid things and, and be rescued from doing stupid things, throwing yourself off the top of the temple and expecting the angels to come and to gather you. Of course, we know that God can rescue us and God would have rescued Jesus in this instance. But that's not what Psalm 91 is about. And Jesus responds again by quoting from Deuteronomy where he says, It is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus was balancing the scriptures out. He wants to show the full expression of, of God's truths and God's will to us. That you can't just grab isolated verses uh, out of nowhere. And, because if we do, then we run the risk. We run the risk of being able to justify anything and say, well, it's in the Bible. And many people and groups have done this over the, the course of human history with some quite devastating effects. We need to live our lives faithfully as Paul says in, in Romans 10, that faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God in all of its fullness, not just the, the bits that we like. We can all fall into that pattern of only reading the bits that we like, ignore the, the, the parts that we, that we struggle with or we don't like. We need to read it in all its fullness, not just bits that we want to use to to prove or affirm uh, our position. So Jesus' defeat of the devil in the desert was, was decisive, but we read that it wasn't final. Throughout his ministry, Jesus would confront Satan in many different forms, and there would be this battle that would go on throughout Jesus' ministry. But so often we too can see temptation as a once and for all. We might think, oh, well, I've, I've, I'm okay now. I've managed to get through that, that particular fight and, it's, and, and I'm okay now. But we need to be constantly on guard for these attacks that come. We need to ask ourselves the question, where in my life am I susceptible to this kind of temptation? Is it when I rely on my own strength? Is it when I'm at my lowest? What are the, the things? We, only we will know that because we're all different. 
And then the other question is, how am I preparing myself to be able to stand firm just like Jesus did? What are the things that I'm able to do? You know, the devil questioned the, the father's love for Jesus when he asked him to turn the, the stones into bread. He questioned Jesus' hope when he offers the world's kingdoms to him, that quick fix. And then he questions the, the father's faithfulness to him when he takes him to the top of the temple and tells him to, th to throw himself off. And this is a direct attack on the three basic virtues of the Christian life. Faith, hope, and love. And he continues to use these attacks, trying to attack these three things in different ways to this very day. The thing is, knowing and obeying God's word helps to protect us from these. It's a great weapon against temptation. If we think about the spiritual armor that Paul speaks of in his letter to the Ephesians, that the, it's the only offensive weapon that is in the armor. Jesus used the scriptures to combat Satan, and we can too. As we get to know uh, God's promises and his truths more deeply, as we spend more time reading about them, Clearly, the devil knows the scriptures as well. He's able to use them, but manipulates them, twists them around. He's able to twist it to suit his own purpose. But if we know the, the texts of the Bible, and we know them, that it's, and it's far more important than just being able to pull a, a Bible verse out to, to sound clever. But if we deeply know them within our being, then when we come up against these, these attacks of the devil these temptations and trials, then we're able to apply them in our life. That we, just like Jesus did, will be able to stand firm against these temptations. So shall we pray? Let's pray. Lord, again, we thank you for your example. We thank you for your word that contains the, the promises and truths of God. Would you help us to to understand these in deeper, deeper ways. Give us a, a hunger to want to read your word more. And would you help us in those times of, of temptation that we would be able to see through the lies, that we would understand that you do love us, that our hope is found in you, our Lord and Savior. And that you're always faithful to us. No matter the lies of the enemy, that you are always with us. And Lord, if there are any of us who are struggling with this stuff at this particular time, we do hold on to that scripture where you say you leave your peace with us. Would you bring us your peace?
for you are the victor. And it's in your precious name that we pray. Amen.